This is a Lex. Do you want to intro? What? This is a very special episode. This is probably this is the most special episode I think we've had because we've been. How long have we been doing this, Miles? We calculate. Uh, it's been uh, two years. Over two years. Over we started years. like summer of 2016. And uh, yeah. and this is the first time that we've actually had real people who worked on <laughs> a film with Nicolas Cage in the Panther Den. Uh, so Benjamin Brewer and Alex Brewer, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Um, it's ridiculous uh, that y- you are here. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> in, in the best way. Um, wait, just like off off the podcast, you, you guys are friends with Judy, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. she's great. Go way back with Judy. Yeah, we uh, we uh, were did a lot hanging out at South by Southwest uh, during the premiere of this movie. Yeah, she uh, was some there fond uh, memories back yeah. when South by Southwest was a thing. Right oh. in, in the R. before R. times. I, too soon. I, I thought of that today, which is that movies are such a difficult thing as we all know, but they can be, especially the small ones, it can be so difficult. The idea that like for us, South by Southwest was, was like the confirmation that we weren't crazy. It was like a great screening. It's just like people got it. So the idea that like people aren't getting to have that this year, I was just like, it's the one time like I, I like fuck Hollywood. But in that moment, I'm like, Oh, like that's like, yeah. I actually feel yeah. so bad. Like the most bad I've ever felt for other filmmakers right. thinking I'm not going to do it. Cause it was rad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and that is after feeling crazy, probably, and putting a bunch of time and effort and blood, sweat, and tears into a film, and actually seeing an audience see it, an audience like that see it and receive it the way that you oh, want to see so it. Oh, they're so warm. It's yeah. like the warmest crowd I, ever. It has to be a, a really good high. <laughs> it's kind of the peak of a film. Or the for us, it was the peak of our yeah, film. Yeah, of of the experience. Because uh, it's before anybody knows what you like. It's so fresh that you get like critics really coming at it dispassionately. Yeah, no one's coming in with any sort of like. There's no sort of. Uh, it, it hasn't been written up by anybody. There, it has no buzz yet. Like they're they're there yeah. to create the buzz. Nobody has photoshopped your actors' heads onto like someone else's body, <laughs> yeah. holding a gun, and like, oh, it's one of these. <laughs> Never mind. Oh man, I'm so excited to talk about the art. <laughs> get there. Um, so uh, where do Miles and I were brainstorming of the the different tacks that uh, we wanted to because we're not used to interviewing uh, people, <laughs> um, but I guess like let's get like a little bio of you guys. Like uh, what what we knew and know is that y'all did a, a feature in 2011. Oh right? yeah, I was my student uh, Emerson film. Oh oh, you went to hey. Emerson? I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you Someone else? No, it's uh, just nice. I have, I have friends who went to Emerson. Um, it was I. The whole kind of the school is fine, but it the way the community worked. If you kind of worked on other people's stuff when you were a senior, you could really pull everyone to work on your thing. And so I use that as an excuse to make a like a feature for like no money. Yeah. And we played at uh, we played it at Slam Dance and a few other places. It was fun. Yeah. So that was technically like the first. I was a projectionist at Slam Dance a couple years ago. No actually. shit, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah. Best people. I don't know. It I was, hope it's the same people cuz that it was, was a, yeah. Uh, I did it 2016, I think was the year I did it. So it was a, it was a little ways after. I had a blast. It's like one of the best like film festival experiences I've ever had. So It, it was the purest festival cuz I think I remember, you know, getting in 
And I just thought, like, I remember they were like, we only accept people who have no connection to anything. Like, you know, obviously, uh, Sundance is a very political kind of situation. But like Sam does, is like, no, the only rule is like, you can have never done this and you have to be no one. And I was like, oh, ill. And like, <laughs> it was the you. purists. I was like, oh, this is probably what Sundance was like. Right. Like, just like a bunch of people in a sweaty room who like, yeah, you know. Robert Redford introducing your your film in a, <laughs> less, <laughs> like a yeah. sweaty yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so we so sorry that was my uh, film in college. Then mm-hmm. Alex went to uh, he went to RISD. RISD in Rhode Island, and so once we graduated, we knew we wanted to work together, and so we actually started a music video. So that's kind of where right. We yeah, started. yeah. You you guys worked for with Skrillex and uh, yeah, yeah. who else? Who else? Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber. Bieber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Wait, crazy. Everyone talk into your mic. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you're right. Sorry. Yeah. How, how did you, did you guys like decide where you like, we're going to start doing music videos or was that just kind of like the jobs for like first time directors? That, well, like, yeah. You can... So like, um, I doing that movie, like in college, I was like, Oh, I want, I want to be fucking David Gordon green. Right. Right. But like, that was like, basically everything they teach you in film school is 10, 15 years old knowledge about like what's going on. So that's like, I was like basing my aspirations on somebody who was making a movie in 1998, you know, and it was 2011. And so it was kind of like making, you know, like imagine being like 19 and thinking you're going to be like Gus Van Zandt and everyone's like, yeah, nice. Like, but like, no, there was no bites from like agents or anything like that. Like I, in fact, I realized going, we going to slam dance that year, we realized that like, oh my God, this is like way more, commercially yeah. minded than like you have to like a, have a publicist and not putting up your own flyers because like HBO is just going to like blanket <laughs> yeah. over them in like two <laughs> seconds anyway. Yeah, know? these posters we, that cost us the last of our money. <laughs> Wait, you guys like we pasted up flyers for your yeah. movie? Yeah. On, on, oh, that's uh, so cool. And um, where, where the hell is it? Park City. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, so then music videos, um, we just uh, uh, started making them um, this was our life hack and this worked then. I don't know. It definitely doesn't work now, but cause no one, the, the, the film didn't get us anywhere. And so then I just went, I noticed that pitchfork would always post a music video of any band they'd like written about more than once. Mm. And so we just went and went through the list of pitchfork artists, found one we liked who definitely didn't have videos but had good music and who they'd written about a couple times. And we went out and just shot a music video in our backyard that we spent real money on. We spent like 1500 bucks on it, yeah. which was at that time that was like <laughs> yeah. our, yes. all our money. Yes. Right. Um, and we just sent it to the guy and we're like, do you want a video? Oh my God, and he was like, yeah. Uh, well, we sent it to someone. They said, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> their manager was like, no, no, it's not really our thing. And then we sent it to another, like recut it to a different song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, do whatever you have to do. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's brilliant. That's really. And so then we, yeah, we got on the, we got on the front page of pitchfork. And we're like, we're set now we're made. And then of course nothing happened. And then somebody saw it. And they offered us like a thousand bucks to make something. And we're like, all right, thousand bucks. So something totally happened. Yeah, it took a minute, but then we got a little thousand dollars. And so then we went and shot with our uncle's Chevelle. He had like a classic car. And we're like, oh, that's good (laughs) enough for a music video. And that was the whole video was this car driving around the town we grew up in. And then like slowly but surely, yeah, we just kind of worked our way. uh, So how did this feature then come about? So we did a music video in 2012 um, for the band Passion Pit, 
Mm-hmm. And so I remember Passion Pit. Yeah, we eventually had worked our way up to working with Passion Pit. Yeah, um, but it's funny because along the way we did like some bands that went on to be really big, and we did their first video. Like um, we did the War on Drugs first video oh. for like a buck, um, and then we did uh, Purity Rings first video. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they still are. Uh, a big band, or, or they were on the front page of Pitchfork more than once. Though. Yeah, yeah. We did. Um, all That's ch- apparently the all rubric now for <laughs> how, how successful you are. Yeah, is Pitchfork even still around? Probably not. It exists. I, think it's a thing. I don't know how much cultural like cachet. Well, yeah, I, I don't know but, anybody who cops to like checking it. Um, but I'm sure I don't. I don't know where else. Do like you could be go? on the front page of Pitchfork. I wouldn't I, know. Yeah, I wouldn't. Honestly. I also wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Uh, so so you guys worked up to uh, Passion Pit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so the, yeah, the producer on that video. Um, hold on, let me, let me do this for a second. But um, um, the producer on that video uh, uh, was uh, does features. His name's Braxton Pope, and um, great name. His uh, previous credits include uh, a movie called The Take with John Leguizamo. Right. That was like kind of like a crime thing. And then he also produced uh, The Canyons with oh, uh, man. Wow. Lindsay and uh, Paul uh, Schrader. And he, and actually, and he had James ju- Dean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not that yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> the other James Dean. Yeah. yeah. And, and he had just done that when, when, he made, when we worked with him on, on Passion, uh, Passion Pit. Pit. Yeah. So he was coming off of that. Um, and so... He was like, I, when I see your work, I see a canyon. I see you... <laughs> Well, it's funny because the canyons was such an experiment for those guys, right? Because it was, I think it was like the, it was like, it was Braxton, uh, Paul Schrader, and Brett Easton Ellis, mm-hmm. and they all like, I think they were all financially staked themselves in and stuff like that. It was like a true like independent film uh, experiment. They uh, really believed in it. Gone wrong. Yeah. Did, um, did you guys see it? Did anyone else in the room? Oh, see we it? saw. We it. Yeah. I did not know, but I. It's infamous. I mean, it's, I know. I mean, I it's a fascinating. It's a fascinating picture. watch. It doesn't work, I don't think. But uh, I, what I remember was that I was like, Lindsay Lohan's really good. <laughs> like she does a really good performance in it. She. It's yeah. true. And I mean, it's funny because I think like Paul Schrader's career. I mean, I I'm a huge Paul Schrader guy. Like, I just think he's like so. But his kind of latter day, th- like until first reformed, which kind of was like, oh fuck, people were like, he's oh yeah, back, that's right, you know? yeah. But it, I mean, it's been a long time. I mean, since I've been an adult watching movies, he's been making stuff that isn't work. And we- the Canyons was like, I think the peak not working yeah but and yet also like more interesting than some of the other although we watched uh what what was the other uh, oh dying of the light dying of the light oh, yeah. with, yeah, with yeah, cage yeah. and right. uh that also has a fascinating story around it right and, like he's one of he's t- definitely one of those like artist artists who like you know he's doing it for i the right reasons i would say um well and, also like i couldn't imagine like i really i i really res- respond to I mean, the guy is, you know, without question in the top 10 of, you know, American filmmakers. Um, like, he's made literal masterpieces. So, yeah. like, when we would, like, maybe met him or whatever, like, or were kind of aware of him, like, just thinking of, like, how much shit he had to eat, you know, for doing whatever it was he was doing, you know, like, I think he even is quoted saying, he's like, you know, you make one, he's like, I make one good movie every 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like, or, like, no, I make one great movie every 10 years, a couple good ones, and then shit. And, like, 
so seeing him at one of those like low points and being like, this guy is like a master. Yeah. You know, oh, it's too bad how far he fell. But then he makes first reformed and people are right. like, Oscar, you know, whatever. And it's like, I don't know. I like, I really appreciate to achieve what that guy achieved and then have this like humbling decade. Yeah. You know, but it comes from taking risks too. You yeah, know? for sure. And Canyons was a fucking. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you then, like, how much like uh, agency did you have, like, once you started doing music videos for like more known entities? Like, like, like did you, like, was it as, um, like, could you take the risks you wanted to take still? It, yeah, it, it varied depending on the artist, but most of the artists that we worked with, it was, you know, we pitched an idea that was the idea we wanted to do, and they were either down with it, and, you know, if they were down with it, they were, you know, down with us getting to do it the way we pitched it. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and it's, you know... I think we like we only ever got like minor notes on things over our whole career doing music videos like Um, so there's like I think there's like two different ways that directors get hired to do music videos the one is that they are connected to artists kind of in general maybe they're friends with managers they kind of get in there and and that's the way in which an artist might call you directly have an idea themselves it's more like a collaboration then there's the way we book stuff which is that we had a rep from who signed us kind of based on some of our early work and we get sent tracks and we just pitch with everyone else. Mm. And often the story with the jobs we booked, in fact, every job we ever booked, it had been offered to an extreme list of more wanted, like the, the story of winning work in music videos is to be the fourth or fifth choice of the people you're working with because they always want, they're like, Oh, we gotta get Spike Jones. Yeah. It's like, oh, he's busy. Oh, we gotta get and like the list goes on. And like that's that's a very like flattering place to start. It goes down to like people who are, you know, just people you consider, you know, maybe peers or whatever. Right. And then eventually, like we were we always felt like janitors in that <laughs> world. Cause they would be like like the Bieber video was like that. I'm pretty sure everyone in the industry had had written on it. Um, and they, they just couldn't figure it out. And so then we pitched. What we pitched for that video, um, which well, if you see it, it's like pretty kind of out there. And uh, yeah, they just kind of were like, yeah, we don't really understand what this is, but Skrillex and Diplo say it's cool and, you know, good, yeah. lo- good luck. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you run into that a lot where you feel like they didn't get it, but like other people vouched for you that like had taste? So they were like, okay, well then you must like them. Yeah, well, yeah. It all, again, it depends on the artist, but like a, a lot of musicians, you know, they're so busy and their lives are so scheduled that like oftentimes they you know like they've just been informed you know like the day before the hour uh, an hour before what they're doing and they kind of show up and like oh yeah like my manager says this is cool or like <laughs> yeah. you know and, wait that happened with uh, our first video was for steve aoki you know, like uh-huh. the dj steve aoki and it was so um telling because it was it was steve aoki and it was uh the singer from css uh love fox which is a great band i don't know what happened to CSS. yeah what yeah. happened to them but um, she was great mm-hmm. to work with she too. was kind of the star of the video and we we're shooting all stuff with her in the roller rink and steve aoki showed up and he was just like what are we doing like what is this <laughs> and he, uh and we and he was like i'll do anything he's like want me to do a backflip i'll do a backflip we're like we don't need you to do a backflip and he's like okay and then we would like shot whatever we shot and he had just bought those like um, shoes that Marty McFly has uh, in in two, and he was like, I, "Yeah, well, those like when Nike made those." Yeah, and he was like, "I just I just spent like four thousand dollars on these shoes. Can you get a shot of them?" And we we're like, <laughs> "Yeah." <laughs> 
I, I figure like someone like Steve Aoki that just is their waking life that is like going from place to place and just being like yeah I don't know what I'll do it what what do you need like totally well because I think we were one of like eight videos he made like, like right yeah yeah that's the other hustle is like when you like because we were probably like twenty two and I think the video was twelve grand which is like just enough to like rent a camera a location and pay no one. And it was just like us and like everyone being like, yes, we're working, we're hired. And, you know, so some of those people, they, that's how they, that's who they end up working with are people. Cause they, they're, they're trying to make six videos for the price of one, you know? So that was, yeah, that was uh, that he really didn't know what we were shooting that day. <laughs> and the video came out. You can, it's out there. I think a lot of times these artists are also, they're pleasantly surprised when they when they see the final product delivered. Like you know, I feel like we've gotten that reaction a few times where they're like, "Oh, I had no idea it was going to be like this." You know, this is awesome. Like <laughs> that seems know, crazy to me that you <laughs> yes. would have that you would just have no idea like what your recorded image would look like right. when, like <laughs> once it goes out yeah. to the world. You know, it's something like, that's going out to the world that's going to be received by most people, thinking that it's like almost like an auteur thing from the artist, like an artist's vision. Oh yeah, oh, no yeah. way. Like yeah. I mean, the the artists who actually are responsible for their visuals you can name on one hand right like at all like not even like a little bit that, responsible that yeah. uh, I, they're pretty famous like Kendrick but, Lamar is famous right. like, like, like designs his Bjork Bjork yeah and she also has had like she has a great eye for the collaborators yeah, yeah exactly um, but uh, I mean you know uh, artists will frequently care about how they look you know they're you know sort of specifics of, you know, the sort of image that they've constructed. Right. Like, and again, it depends. Like some artists you know, do not care, you know, about yeah. the image or anything, but others like have very like carefully constructed. The chillest band we ever worked with was this band Two Door Cinema Club. Do you know them? They're a British band. Yeah. They're kind of a British pop band. And we literally, they, uh, they hit us up to do a video and we sent an email that basically said, we really love the Bob Dylan documentary, Don't Look Back, like the black and white one right. where he goes to England. We're like, well, if we just like kind of did that. And they're like, oh yeah, we love that <laughs> documentary. And then we just showed up. We just shot and like, and they were it was like. so fun. They, like, didn't, they didn't have a note. They had right. nothing. They just, they were just yeah. like so chill. And, and like, it came out and it's like all these like teenagers were like, what is this like black and white? Who the fuck is Bob Dylan? And like, <laughs> but they just were like, you know, they didn't care. They were, they were, they were, yeah. It was a uh, music videos are hard. It makes shooting a music video is so hard that the movie I was like you could do ten movies back to back. It's like they're not exhausting at all. Really, music is video. it just like schedule and budget? Is that the like what's what makes music videos harder? It's that you're creating spectacle from nothing, you know? Because it's mm, like yeah, right, right. This currency of our attention, which has gotten way harder. Like when we were doing music videos, people would actually still kind of watch them on like Vimeo. Yeah. Shit. Well, it seems wild that now you almost just have to have a catchy thumbnail to even get like yeah. anyone to click on it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And stuff looks remarkable. Like whenever I kind of poke around, like everyone's shooting on film, like everything looks yeah. like fucking days of heaven. All right. Well, let's let's pivot yeah. to the movie. So, um, so the can't wait. I already forget the guy's name. Um, the can the really good name. Braxton. Um, oh, Braxton. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Um, so he saw your videos and... So, yeah, he did a yeah. video with us and then we he said, are you interested in features? And we're like, of course. And then we had we wrote this movie 
the first version of this movie we thought we'd try to make for like five hundred thousand dollars and it was basically the pitch for it was like that movie primer but like for a heist oh where it was like we were just like the process of a heist and we kind of based it on this this bank robbery in in um that happened in boston in the 80s but we're like it's boring like it's like it's more like Michael Mann's thief like there's like drills and bullshit and we're like let's just make a movie about these two kind of like nerdy desk cops who are kind of dry and like and we just watch them kind of taxonomically plan a heist and do it and it was like not humor it didn't have much humor it was just kind of like straight and then um we were trying to set that up, which it turns out like trying to set up a movie for $500,000 is just as hard as trying to set up a movie for $5 million. <laughs> like, no one wants to spend their money on your dream, uh, even if it's like a dollar. Uh, and so then <laughs> eventually like he uh, he was like, okay, like uh, there's more to it. But basically he knew he had contact with Cage because of Dying of the Light, actually, because he had hooked okay, sure. Cage up with Schrader. And he was like, what do you think about doing it with Cage? And we we're like, we have not thought about doing it with Cage. <laughs> and he's like, well, we can like, it will, we'll make this if, if it's Cage. And we we're like, well, yeah, we love Kate and Nicholas Cage and um, less familiar with his most recent work, but we have you know, the classics in mind. And, um, and so, yeah, we kind of set about rediscovering this story with him in mind. And it was great. Cause like, it really like forced us to like, think about what character we want him to portray and all this stuff. So the character was written for him. Oh yeah. And a hundred percent. What about Elijah Wood's character? How did that change? Um, and, and I guess how did, how did Elijah Wood come into the picture in the first place? Well, yeah. So, um, the Elijah character was written more as like, as like a counterbalance to Nick's character. Um, you know, we sort of like the idea of, you know, uh, of a guy who start, you know, uh, Nick's character starting out very kind of like by the book and serious and getting more and more like free spirited and, uh-huh. you know, living his dream. <laughs> living whereas, his truth. Yeah, living his truth. Exactly. Whereas Elijah's character starts off as this sort of, you know, uh, apathetic, you know, n- you know, nihilist who realizes he actually does care Care. about things and has and and becomes more worried and and just you know the voice of reason Mm. um so having that sort of character shift through the movie was something that we want to build in but because waters was written that way we were like well we need someone sympathetic we need somebody who you look at and you're like oh you're not a bad guy like yeah you you can't pull the rug out from the cage character and just have nothing be there and not have a counterbalance yeah or else the there's nothing to grab onto after that we were actually really surprised when he responded to it and like wanted to do it and Elijah Wood yeah and it was yeah it's funny like his because you go through different sort of processes especially with uh representation like they can be they can act like they're for it and then you realize when it's far too late that they weren't and that they're you know they just no one will say to your face like fuck your stupid movie they'll they're just like oh yeah totally and the next thing you know they're booked on uh you know ben-hur um but uh but yeah uh elijah his his agent uh passed it on to him he read it immediately huge nicholas cage fan liked the script he kind of like he was kind of like a really he he was very like 
he agreed to do it in a way that was like kind of outside of the usual, like kind of like, you know. It seems that that's sort of how he's conducted himself and his career, at least since since Lord of the Rings. Oh, he's so, like the best guy ever. Yeah. It seems like it. Yeah. Like he jumps onto pretty, it's, it's stuff that he just wants to do because he wants to do it. Yeah. I assume that he has enough money to, you know, chill for the rest of his life were he to want to. And so, yeah, it's, it, 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 again, talking about like, I don't know if this is a, a useful phrase, but like a pure artist who is just saying like, oh, this sounds like a good, like, I mean, he was in that, that remake of Maniac. I'm thinking of the Alexander yeah. Aha yeah. remake of that and, and other stuff that's not necessarily high profile, but you can, um, more so than Cage, I think you can say, oh, I know why you did that because you're oh, like for an sure. interesting geek. Uh, Elijah seems to only do stuff that is like, he likes, he doesn't follow, I think, anything but his intuition in his heart. And in the case of our film, it was that he really wanted to work with Nick and he he liked our, he liked our like reel and stuff enough that I think he was just like, yeah, no brainer, let's do this. Say more about him being a good guy too because I, I, that's my sense and I just want to, I like to know, I like to know about people being good people in Hollywood. We could do a whole podcast about Elijah Wood being a good guy. Like, it, you know, it's, it's kind of like if like any of us in this room like suddenly woke up tomorrow and was an incredibly like well-known actor. Right. Just like very grounded very down to earth, very committed to the project. Like, and yeah, and just, you know, none of that like Hollywood stuff uh, in the way. Yeah. Also like, um, you know, yeah. Like in making the film, cause he is a produ- a film producer himself. Like, you know, like he would, it would feel like you just had a, he was part of the crew and then he would be acting in it, you know? Uh, incredibly supportive i mean down like even like a small anecdote like the last day we shot he uh you know we're doing like inserts hand stuff like them fucking with the you know locking mechanism just you know cleaning up stuff like that right stuff that you like you know you can do your own hand work but like you know not necessarily well anyways elijah was in there he was doing all his shots of his hands um and uh we wrapped him and because uh, uh, like you can't help it, you watch an actor like that who knows it's just his hands on screen. You're like, we gotta do this quickly. Like I like I, you're a nice you know guy and you're good spirited, but like come on, like this is like you know. So we we try to get through it really quickly, and we did. And we wrapped them, and then we had more shit to shoot. And so we're like we're shooting other stuff in the vault, like cleaning up stuff in the vault. And then we like realize because they're breaking down the apartment set. We look up and Elijah's breaking the set down. Oh my god! With the art department. So like I have this picture of like him on the roof of the set, just like ripping it apart. Dude, I love that. And I was like, oh yeah, he was just like because he's a producer, so he's right. like he gets it. So he's like, let me help you. Yeah. Oh, always no, like you know he I, he had a trailer, but like you know never was in just it. Part know? of the crew. Yeah, I would be like anyone who's like looking to cast anyone. I was like hire Elijah. He'd bring people <laughs> like donuts in the morning for the for the crew. Like, yeah, just. Aww. So good for morale. This is what I wanted. This is, the, this <laughs> is very wholesome. Thank you. Because so much of this podcast is like, ah, oh, this movie sucked, and I and I hate it. Like, but so yeah. By, by the way, just in general, it's so fortuitous that the the people who we actually have on our it's a movie that we liked because like it it could it was like Russian roulette. Like it, it like if it had been especially from this latter period, it's like our 
we uh, like just imagining like some Judy or being like, oh, I know the person who made I don't know, Bangkok dangerous, and yeah. like <laughs> we'd be like, oh, oh, what, oh, you sent it to them? Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I guess it's also like part of it is I think you could have the guy or girl who made Bangkok dangerous on. In fact, how do I not know who made? Like, is that like? No, like, it's, it's, it's not anyone. Did like John Woo make that? Or no, something? it's it's not it's something no, like that. It's it, it's I think either Thai or Chinese directors, right? Yeah. Um, oh, it's the the uh, Peng brothers. Yeah, yeah, the Peng they're, brothers. They're, they're like Hong Kong action filmmakers. So, yeah. Yeah. Competing brothers, you know. Yeah. But <laughs> if you had them on, I think you would find like with all of us, it's like you know what's not good and good about it. That's, it's uh, yeah. not your soul. You're like, we all watch it. You're like, yeah, that's great. That could that, be better. Like, you know, what do you want? Which is, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's how I feel about just movies and movie criticism in general. Like, I, I used to write movie criticism for a paper before it, it started to eat my soul. And I, but it, it's <laughs> like some some things like me, I don't like writing or criticizing music because mm. it feels so nebulous but a movie is there's so many people who work on it that it's almost like i think it, it's easier at least for me to it, then say like i think this like just just works like like i know it's it's still subjective but it's it's easier to at least feel it's objective and and that's my sense too that a lot of people who work on movies even if they're like an auteur yeah. it's like they can still say yeah, that didn't work because there's so many stars that have to align just for anything to get made. Yeah, yeah. every movie that exists is it, a miracle in yeah. some way. Yeah, exactly. after you make a film, it is very hard. I would say nine, easily 90% of films that you once maybe would have been like, that sucks, you don't say it anymore. Yeah. Because you're just like, like the things that I think suck now, it's like a very specific thing where I'm like, that you could like that is on you, my friend. But it's very rare. Like it's most films. I'm just like, yeah, these things are hard, man. No, I, I think what I think yeah, similarly, yeah. Like once you if once you've been on the other side of it in any way, and you see how hard it is to get any creative thing done, especially something like a movie where there's so many people involved and so much money involved, and so just every single factor that so, so many things that could go wrong and sink everything. Like like you say, it's a miracle, and and I feel like the things that that actually make me mad about a movie that where I want to say that it sucks. It's like, it's when something feels cynical or something like where mm. it feels like mm. uh, pandering or something from like uh, sort of an ethos around uh, what it is and it, it as a cultural product that, you know, there it's a different sort of thing than just being like, yeah, just being like, it's bad because it didn't entertain me. You know, like, I, I don't know. I, I feel that way too, just having having to even express what we think about movies over right. and over again. Yeah. I feel like we've honed kind of our... Well, and especially it's it's being able to like compartmentalize. Yeah. Like watching a movie as For well, sure, yeah. mm. you know, because I can't, you know, there's like so many aspects of, it's like we were saying, so many aspects of so many of these movies. I'm like, that was good and I like yeah. that. But then also in general... You'd be like, oh, the yeah. editor is really fucking up. They're yeah. like not, you know. Well, that's a big yeah. uh, actually point of sensitivity for me when I read film criticism, which is that I think critics are very influenced by who did what. And I think that they get very confused about the fact that those lines don't exist. And I think it does come from not being on set, not seeing it. But like, for instance, like, you know, um, I think that often... Uh, 
when uh, someone wants to like like people uh, a critic will go out of their way to compliment a cinematographer's work if they've done other things that they like. But I like there's there does not exist a movie that looks good because of a cinematographer. It's because of a cinematographer working with the director. Like it's like it's such a flute. Like I mean, as evidenced by like some of the like kind of like most you know highly hired DPs. Like you see the work that they did with certain people, and it's brilliant. And then you see the work they did with us, and you're like, oh, that was that person, you know? Right. Um, it's and then also I think performances too. Um, mm-hmm. Like I think that saying like, you know, wanting to, I, this is the main thing is like wanting to celebrate a performance in a, in a otherwise flawed movie. It's like, it's all, it's, you got to take the whole thing because that Mm. performance is the confluence of an editor working miracles that you can't even see. Like, you know, we watched it firsthand cutting our movie. You know, our editor, Steve was like, he had cut four seasons of the new girl and he just like, knows how to make people look funny, good, great. And like, it was like, oh my God. And so, yeah, I think that's my thing with critics is thinking that they know what a DP does, that they know what a director does, what an editor does. And I don't even mean that in like some sort of like, cynical way I just mean like they literally have it wrong yeah right yeah like unless you unless you've been in the trenches with it how would you know yeah no yeah. exactly and and those there are so many trenches <laughs> to be in and wanting to yeah. celebrate certain people where it's safe yeah. like there's like actors are very safe to like get behind and be like oh well they are a revelation in this piece of shit you know you're like what does that mean you know like um, they could have been the most difficult person on earth, and their stuff looks great because they were there for their their they were there for their close up in the master, and then they had a stand in, and that's why their co stars can't act out of a bag. Like you don't know, like there's right, people, there's actors right. that fucking do that, you know. So wow. At any rate, <laughs> well, I will say that um, you and your team seem to work very well together because no matter what happened in the tone of this movie, it all felt like it was part of the same world. Oh, it all yeah, felt thanks. very lived in. I feel like. Like you described yeah. as lived in. Last yeah, Lex time. and I watched it together, and and yeah. I feel like we were like, yeah, we we were completely drawn along by this mm-hmm. the story, and and it like I, I'm curious though now that this this is I almost don't want to ask, but like can if can you assess in your minds like what works and what do, doesn't work about the the trust for you? Oh, like, absolutely. Like, because yeah. I'm, I'm curious. What, I mean, you already heard our <laughs> podcast episode about it, and um, but I'm curious what what you guys think. Like, well, I mean, we l- we learned a tremendous amount sure. making the film, so you always come away from it a different filmmaker, hopefully a different filmmaker than when you entered in. Um, I think, yeah, I think the writing lesson was. So most films have kind of like a built-in reshoot day or two. Like that's kind of like usually you have that in the actor's contract or whatever. Um, and and what's that for? Well, it's for kind of the fact that like you end up cutting the film and you just realize that like, you know. Uh, there scene, are things you might need that yeah, right. you couldn't anticipate. Like, oh, I want to play up this thing. Oh, this yeah. thing's working. This thing isn't working. Right. What if we did this? Yeah. In fact, we, some directors, you know, they go out and reshoot half the film after uh-huh. uh, being in the edit. They decide they want to recast this bit or make it about these. Uh, yeah, famously, like Woody Allen, uh, when he was making uh, 
films uh, as a member of society. Right. Um, I know how to phrase that. But um, <laughs> back, back when that was a name that you could bring up and had uh, no baggage uh, <laughs> yeah. that was going to like suck the air out of the room. Yeah. He uh, allegedly he would shoot like six weeks on his movie, like kind of cut it up, whatever he had shot, then like recast people. Whoa. And then shoot six more weeks, and he would just kind of like, like figure it out that way. Like he, I guess he never, he never like fires actors. Like he shoots like all, too much material with them, and then just recasts it wow. and shoots it again. Um, it's because he came from the theater. Yeah. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. Probably he wrote has. "Don't Drink the Water," which I did in high school. That's how I know that. <laughs> Was it a comedy? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's good. It it's good. Serious. He had not yet uh, become anathema. To, uh, <laughs> to I mean, he's. I don't want to get into it. No. But, you know, <laughs> no. we, like, but uh, he has. I mean, how many films has he made? You, you can't make that many films that are at, successful at that level without developing some sort of like uh, unique workflow. That uh, you know, that's it's pretty fascinating. Has he done more than Cage has done as a director? Shit. God, Cage has been no in idea. all over yeah because I think Cage is at like over a hundred yeah oh, really? point, I think yeah, I think sure. so yeah, yeah at last count yeah I don't I don't think you could yeah because it's multiple films a year yeah. versus at least a film a year you know some years <laughs> some like years six like or eight. seven yeah yeah, yeah it, it it's uh, absurd I mean the guy's work ethic is like unreal yeah like, yeah that's what, and that's I I do want to obviously know what uh, all the nitty gritty about working with him but it's like I you know going into this podcast like our kind of uh, part of uh, the thesis, I think, was just like that he is, uh, he, Cage is an actor, a serious actor. Yeah. And uh, one whose work in, in all facets should at least, at least deserve study and, and discussion. And, uh, and at, by this point, like, yeah, my appreciation of just his work ethic alone and, <laughs> and his like, and, and I don't think that he, uh, there's there's this sort of like uh, cultural narrative that he oh he needs a lot of money so he's he's just working and saying yes to whatever but I I don't know to what degree that's actually true because I I do think he he has some creative spark that's or d- drive that pulls him towards the projects that he does I don't know how strong that that pull is from project to project yeah. but. In reading his interviews and watching his interviews and and then seeing his work, like I, it's not it, it's not just yes, yes, yes. I'll take that. I'll take. I, I have a couple weeks in June, so I'll do. You know, <laughs> like he he really does. He really is out there. Of uh, he loves performing. Yeah, he lo- he loves it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's like there's, you know, he came to our project with the passion of a young actor. Right. You know, like uh, like you know a. a new actor I should say like just yeah you can tell you just I mean he he loves to work he's got a strong work ethic um I think sometimes the projects don't always turn I mean many times do not turn out the way he thinks they're going to like you know when he signs on you know because just things happen like you know you can't possibly predict like what the finished product is going sure. to be like, uh, certainly as an as an actor. As an actor, you have yeah. only so much control. Because so, he he's like a lot of these big actors. They treat their character as their department, and right. it's really an amazing thing to watch. So he it's it's what you said, where it's like 
he does his job. Like he shows up every day. He knows what he's doing. He's thought about all this stuff. And the thing that's outside of his control is like what the hell people like us do sure. with that. Um, and so, yeah, I think that, that he applies incredible enthusiasm to everything he does, but I don't think that he stops to like, I think he's at home on set and he loves working. I think that's where he feels himself. And, uh, and he's in, he's incredibly his his uh, work ethic is incredible. When well, he's big into preparation, yeah. like he, he what he what he such as he, he doesn't he gets frustrated with is when there are too many last minute changes or he has to learn like a lot of material like that day on set rewrites like the, that sort of thing. Mm. If he has the material and the character and that sort of he can he can build his arc and build his performance beforehand going in like yeah. that's his preferred method and it's funny because he's he's never done a play but we went so we got two days to rehearse this movie because you know yeah, we want to talk about it's that. crazy and he showed up we were in a warehouse in vegas he came and like uh elijah had just got he had elijah had just come in from he was like on on a tour uh see djs and he had, he came in and um nick it became clear to us after only a few minutes that Nick had memorized the whole movie, like as a like almost like a play. Yeah. Um, and his work, the way he works, is not, you know, think about just the intention line. I mean, he works on a word by word basis, and so that <laughs> so on we, a facial expression by facial expression basis, like. So yeah, wow. we we literally thinking that we didn't know what we'd get through the first day. We rehearsed the movie from page one to the end, like uh, like a play. It was nuts. wow. And and Elijah, because I, th- I you know him being the pro he is, yeah. and I think probably from doing the TV show, I assume mm. was literally I would you know because he was a, he was a late enough addition that he had his script and he had you know read it I think while touring and he walks in and Nick starts just doing the movie <laughs> and so then Elijah was like uh, and Elijah's got the thing and he's reading it but Nick is in it and when Nick's in it and Nick Nick doesn't say okay can we start he just starts Ugh. doing it and it's amazing watch but Elijah was is so good he he got to a point where he just started putting his script down before the scene scanning it like scanning the power main pages like, uh, 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 okay yeah yeah and then he'd just have it and do it uh, we'd uh, watch him memorize an entire scene yeah. in 30 seconds yeah it was incredible it was insane that's so the two of them yeah inspiring just, and yeah. so like fortuitous yeah well it's, it's with such little with time with two days yeah the way I mean, in that, I, it's actually I got emotional because, <laughs> which is funny. They're doing a very funny scene. It was them in the diner where he eats the lemon and all that. Yeah, shit. we love that. <laughs> and um, and a very funny scene, but seeing it come out of them doing it, them interpreting it, and knowing just what I had just ex- explained of just the pro level of them doing it, like I teared up. Like, and I was like, oh, this is gonna look weird. Then I'm like weeping. Right, but almost you, weeping but like, watching this goofy scene. You must have scene. felt so full that it's I mean, possible. Yeah, a day, yeah. a day before you just had the script, and then you just basically see it. Uh, you yeah. see the performance. It was and, it was sort of the one unknown. You know, we were doing all of this prep, getting everything that we could possibly control. Like we were getting together, but and, and you know, and we knew that they're both tremendous talents, but the one thing we didn't know is what they would be like together in a room in the scene, actually reading the material. And yeah, it was like, 
just like knocked us over. It was surreal to see. And yeah. did uh, did Nick bring any of his own things to? Because I like that. That's been a through line of us sort of like studying his work. Of like that he'll he like you say he'll he'll have all this prep and he'll come in with an idea of oh I think my character should. Um, you know, in Ghost Rider, it's like he he's he used to drink alcohol, but now he eats jelly beans out of like martini glasses. Yeah. And we'll see different directors being like, okay, or like you know, um, either like saying yes, saying no, or kind of rolling with it, kind of half-assed, and then it sort of co- shows up in the movie as <laughs> yeah. this weird sort of like thing that we can also we pick out. We're like, that's a decision that he made that yeah. nobody said no to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think like I know what you're talking about. Like in our movie, it's like one of those things where it's like everything that you would think was that like we was wrote you. and then uh-huh. everything that like might elude you was him because he does come with a ton of ideas. Yeah. I mean, so you had two guys writing a mo- writing a character that we felt would like enable him to be able to like, you know, flex quite right. a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then on top of that, <laughs> Nick's still bringing even more, you know, creativity to it and, and like sort of un- unexpected quality. So like so. him saying, him like pushing Elijah up to the thing and saying, open it 13 times. Yeah, yeah. Like we wrote that. We're like, he's going to say open it 13 times. Oh, you were like, this is going to be a <laughs> Nick Cage moment. I think that the yeah. things you like about Nick Cage that that you said you wrote in are the things that we like about Nick Cage. <laughs> like it, and it seems also like the things he most likes to do. Like he seemed to have a lot of fun. Yeah. So, so you wrote he, that knowing that he would, yeah. he, he would chew that. And like we wrote, th- like we just, we would think what would be, and it's funny because sometimes he would put a spin on it that we weren't expecting. Like there's this, there's this moment where Elijah is going to hammer on the like drill bit. And uh-huh. he looks up and he's like, he says something like, you haven't had a lot of coffee today, have you? JK. And like, <laughs> and I was like, that'll be so funny. And then like he did it and it was funny, but it was like different. And then like, it was the only time I was ever like, can it be like, and I, I think I practically did an impression of be like, JK, you know? Yeah. And he's like, all right, fine. But like for the most part, he would take like us doing, us thinking how he would do it. And he would, he would digest it through the lens of who his character was. And then it like basically was like a, indication that we need to grow up and stop like being like that would be hilarious because it's like it had to go through the intention the character and everything like that Uh but like what What i mean stuff that was his to is um uh the um putting zinc on his nose that was him we knew it i knew it we called it um it was originally uh there was a lot, a lot more coverage, and we sort of like compromised on just the. the just oh, his idea oh, was, he was have that like his it whole. Was all, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. The nose is good. He has such like a, a like interestingly shaped nose, though, that it looks so. It that's just such a good moment. Yeah. <laughs> so, he, in a way, like he, so he is, he's like such a pure, great guy. He's 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 a another actor where like to sing Elijah's praises like. Nick is also like one of the nicest, most genuine people you'll yeah. ever meet who is also has a brilliant mind um, and is, he really, it's funny, like every time I meet actors from his generation, they always have the same artist spirit. Like they come, mm-hmm. they come from like, 
they think of themselves as like punk. Right. You know? Yeah, because like, they were like punks, but they were watching the 70s movies uh, the, and and being like, this is it. That's yeah. it. Or like, I know he, James Dean is like big for him. That's before that. But yeah, that they're one. like approaching. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> the the James other James. Dean, yes, that Disruptors. one. Disruptors. <laughs> they're into, yeah. they're into yeah. the right, idea right. that an, a great actor is someone who disrupts the norm. Right. And he, so, you know, him being kind of so intelligent and having all these references, you know, I think when you're working with him, he'll be like, it's it, it's a bit of a director test because he'll be like, I should do this. And then he'll say something that is wild. And you look at him and you think, are, are you like fucking with us? You know, but he's not. Like he's just, he's into finding where that line, it's very like Hunter Thompson. It's like you mm-hmm. find the line and then you go off it or whatever the, the um, uh, you don't know the line until you go over it. And the way it becomes a director test is that you have to then speak actor language back and explain why his character wouldn't do that. And I think a lot of directors on these films who might have been hired because they know how to do a car chase or they know how to do a fight scene or whatever, they directed music videos, whatever it is, (laughs) they weren't necessarily hired because they're like, you know, a theater director who understands how to speak actors. It's more for the visuals. I give, like, I will be forever grateful for Nick to, to Nick for teaching us the way to, to speak actor, you know? Yeah, it's true. It, you know, changed us as filmmakers. I mean, that was what we were always interested in, but like getting, I mean, getting to learn it from him was just, you know, you can have a better teacher. Yeah. And Elijah had it too, but his like little, like, would I do that moments were more like kind of like what you would expect. But I think because Nick's choices were so in need of us being like, well, we can't, necessarily do that so but why can't we yeah like, he know? had some like secrets too he had you know th- secret things about his character that we were you know had to like kind of like intuit and like he was picking up things that we had in the script <laughs> and sort of embellishing them and we sort of like, there was like there's a lot of fun in being like I he's going here like I know he's going here like what what can we do to kind of like you know play around with that but and, other things that were Nick's were having Jerry Lewis play his father right. oh yeah. for God that was that was Nick. Yeah. Um, wow. yeah, uh, we should, yeah, we should talk about that. Technically, <laughs> we directed Jerry, Jerry Lewis's, Lewis's last, last performance. Yeah. Performance. Interesting. Um, what was Jerry Lewis like? He's great. Yeah. Yeah. A pro, I assume. Oh yeah. I mean, it was uh, it was quite the day on set. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, so uh, the challenges were just working with anyone that age I mean, you know, he was that 90 old, years 90, old yeah mm. um but he i bet he was like you know worked several hours and was like you know just really yeah like professional <laughs> i mean like whole hours right this the, guy yeah but like right Awake, you know even like yeah talking even yeah. in the end just yeah, like a great. professional like I, I remember he you know we were uh you know uh adjusting uh something for camera um, and he was just sort of standing in the doorway, kind of like, you know, leaning on the, the um, uh, doorknob. And he, he looked like he was, you know, getting kind of like worn worn yeah. down, but like didn't complain or, you <laughs> I know, mean, you like, can imagine trying to set up shots. You have nine-year-old Jerry Lewis and you're like watching your camera guy sit and you're just like, oh my God, like what? Like that was the most stressful day I'm sure. in human history for like, I mean, it was, <laughs> it's Nick, Jerry Lewis is his hero. Uh, they're in, gonna be in a scene together yeah. i mean it was like yeah it was it was carrot top was there carrot top, carrot was, top there. was there 
Caratop. Caratop was, was there. Just, yeah. Why? He, why? Why? He, he and Nick are friends. It's like a Las Vegas uh, group. Okay. Yeah. His name's Scott. We should call him yeah, Scott. Scott. You know. Yeah. So, like, but if I said Scott was there, they would you know. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> Scott. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Well, because. Nick has all this Vegas ties, I assume, yeah. because he's made what? Well, so he, like six, six or seven, seven movies, movies in Vegas, I think. There. Yeah. And um, and half of them have Vegas in the title. Yeah, yeah. T- definitely. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a he's a big Vegas Vegas guy. Um, yeah, so his uh, friendship with. Uh, top is it? They call him Top. They right? call him Top. Yeah. Top. Sick. I just want to. He's also like a great guy. I, I mean, I we had super nice. only limited interaction, but he was like a sweet, sweet guy. So yeah. you're saying that Nick Cage and Carrot Top like tool around Vegas? Oh, like, for sure. No, yeah, they're they're homies. Yeah. I love that. And it makes that makes so. I much always sense love to me. discovering these collisions. Yeah. Of like people who are best friends. Yeah. Often you'll see that with like actors, where like you'll notice that like. You know, in every Steve Buscemi movie, like, you know, I don't know, like, <laughs> like uh, Danny DeVito's there. Like, yeah. you know, it's like there's uh, Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> or, um, yeah, like, and you, re- you realize that, like, they worked together in New York when they were, like, you know, kids and have been best friends ever since. And our cultural idea of them doesn't realize that they're, like, Having Thanksgiving the, together. Those guys are like, yeah. That was a really like random r- grabbing two random people. But you know what <laughs> no, I mean? but no. yeah, 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 yeah. Point taken, definitely. It's like yeah. when Marilyn Manson is friends with He's anyone. Friends with Johnny Depp. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, well, that know. one is closer to. But, <laughs> it makes yeah. Um, Hollywood vampires. It is fun to it is fun to shoot a day on set where your big actor is not technically the biggest actor on set that yeah, where day. he's like in awe of yeah uh, absolutely. someone else. he was amazingly he was amazing with uh jerry and being very protective of jerry and his time like i mean like there is something about because that's the thing is that like every every time we've ever met like actors we love or like artists we love you realize that like what keeps them going is their absurd level of fandom for certain like people like whether it's Jerry Lewis or like Marlon Brando or like there's just some of these people that you bring them up to these people to certain actors and you just see like you know you know them change you mean like like they're like that's what I want to be that's what I'm or just like a guiding star kind of yeah an un, unattainable level of perfection right for, uh, Brando's kind of the biggest like constant one sure but I think it's because I think when you get that big as a actor and you have that many people blowing smoke up your ass you just cr- you turn something into God so that you don't you know you don't feel like go you crazy are the, yeah yeah and they're usually right they usually are picking people who are you know legends legends yeah but um it, and I think Cage it, his sort of uh, pantheon of of uh, gods who he's reaching for I think are really specific and interesting to his like um, like pulling from a lot of like silent movies. And uh, yeah. also, uh, like, I can't, I can't pull stuff out of my. But I Elvis, Elvis definitely. Yeah, Elvis, <laughs> like, sure. I, yeah. Cage definitely has an Elvis thing. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. It's funny, like his his wealth of references was just so incredible. So, um, like we 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 gave a character. There's a scene you might remember. Where he we he. Uh, he calls up a gun dealer named Bobo, <laughs> yeah, and he connected it to Bobo 
the clown from. Well, I think it, it was a Jerry Lewis bit. It was a Jerry yeah. Lewis bit. And that, yeah. was, that was actually how Jerry Lewis even came into the conversation. We, we had a dinner or a l- lunch with Nick, ah. and we were talking about some of the details of the script. <laughs> he's, he's like, yeah, he's like, Bobo, yeah, I love that name. You know, Jerry <laughs> Lewis says this bit, and like, I've always wanted him to play m- my father in a movie. And, <laughs> and we're like, like, done. I think we can make that happen. Did uh, you guys <laughs> write in the father when he said that? Or oh, was the sure, father? Yeah. Okay, uh, okay. Uh, there was, I mean, was, he always he had, had f- his character always had a family member. Um, I think at that point it was a, it was his father. Um, he had like an elderly uh, former cop father, yeah. and so that was why it was like that's why he thought of the Jerry other Lewis weird thing. one is that we have him telling he, when he's working at the hotel in that montage, which is like my favorite thing we've ever yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> really he uh, he tells a joke to like the people he's working with, and we gave him the joke. But then, and the joke was, I won't go into it now, but yeah. basically like he added to the end. Uh, and a wooden leg. Yeah, and a wooden leg. And so, and then he got up and does this like. Peg leg kind of walk. <laughs> towards the camera. <laughs> and like, it's in the trailer. And I was just like, this is fucking the most iconic thing we've ever shot. Like, this is like, uh, this will go great. And what it was is he was taking that from a music video that the butthole surfers did yeah. in 1985. Yeah. And he was like, I want to do this. And I was like, it was just like, I mean, that's like one <laughs> example of like literally his, it was like you know, a few frames from this music video that was like informing this performance. Yeah. He's, he's all over. What's he called? Like shamanic, whatever. Yeah, sh- yeah. Shamanic. Like yeah, it, I always think of the David Lynch quote about him too, which like where he says that he's like the jazz jazz musician of of acting, mm-hmm. and it's it's like the same thing. Like he's po- like just like a a jazz soloist will improvise something and and pull the melody from you know whatever some other make quotations to this and that. It's that feels like that's completely his process. Yeah, because he's a fan of movies. Yeah, he's like not I. I'm still talking about music, but I think about uh, read this uh, interview with uh, Eddie Van Halen where he's like, "I don't listen to music. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't actually like music, <laughs> and and, uh, and I do." But that's not like Cage with movies. I think he's he is a fan, and I think he is still constantly watching stuff and being inspired, or watches something 20 years ago and is and he's like, "Someday I'm going to use that." Oh yeah, no, that's yeah. definitely how he how he works. Yeah. I, th- I think he's he's an actor who's his process just he didn't he hasn't benefited from the level that movies have become kind of anemic enterprises. Like I mean, we shot our movie in 23 days. Yeah, um, you know, it, it's it was as indie as it gets. Um, you know, and and I think that like you know some of the films that he's most iconic for, they just had more, they, they created more space for him to be supported in the final product. Whereas like, you know, like imagine what you can do with him on a 45 day yeah. schedule. Right. Like we have him for 23 days. Like you're like only beginning to, cre- I mean, you know, say something you did, say like we decide, oh, zinc on the nose, it wasn't sunny enough, whatever, it didn't look right. You know, you go back on day 35, you're like, oh, we'll pick that up. We'll find somewhere else, whatever. It's like when like, you are so close to the bone in movies now, and I think it doesn't help him in the long run. Like, I think Mm. that his, what he does that's so great, I think it's like, it's better in films that have a little bit more. Need time to experiment. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, Um, That being said, you know, he's like, 
an incredibly, uh, it was an incredibly like efficient process. And, you know, he really wanted to give us, you know, what we needed, what we, you know, he, he really, he believed in supporting us as filmmakers or as young filmmakers and, and you know, was, new filmmakers. Like, yeah, it was a really great process in that respect uh, to have him as a collaborator. And it's funny because when we shot it, like every time he would do something, we'd be like, well, that's, too crazy or like that won't go in like it's all in the movie like we yeah. sat in the edit we're like it's all in the movie yeah. like he was right every time yeah. like it did you know, yeah because it's just know, it's just yeah works. it's just really interesting and and really you know unique creative like, also get like your crew loves making a funny Nicolas Cage movie oh, like that's yeah. like yeah we would like everybody was having so much fun shooting the movie yeah. there's like a part where you're like oh, I like I hope this is all good but like everyone's just like having such a great time you know of like just watching these two guys doing all yeah. this kind of funny shit and also him like cage in this movie is very he's he's rarely this playful at this like point in his career yeah you know so like well, i don't know we wanted that so yeah. so we you know we watched a lot of his uh when when he signed on to the project we watched a lot of his r current movies and he was very serious in a lot of yeah. them and and you know one of our favorite performances is um is uh adaptation mm -hmm. um and also we were just we were like watching even like behind the scenes on like national treasure and like you know, he'd smile and stuff and you know sort of uh you know joke around we we're like yeah like that would be great to see him be able to embrace that in a character on screen because he does have this excellent sense of humor and, and sort of like a playfulness. So that was, that seemed like, that was something we wanted to see, certainly. I, I think at one point he actually did say, he's like, oh, there's, some, there's a little bit of Donald in him. Yeah. Like Donald Kaufman. And yeah. It's funny because then I would, if you bring up adaptation, I'm like, what was that like? You know, because we all like obviously loved that movie. Yeah. He's like, He's like, I, he's like, I only remember playing Charlie. I don't even remember playing the Donald part. <laughs> I was like, are you shitting me? He's like, he's like, I will stop doing the impression because it's not right. No, he's, no, like, no, he's like, please. it's, uh, he was like, yeah, it was the, the process was so taxing. Yeah. Playing those two parts that I actually, I, I don't remember doing the half of it. I like, I was so wow. immersed in wow. Charlie that like, I don't remember even doing Donald. I think he said that's the hardest one that he's, the hardest performance that he's done. Yeah. Yeah. Performances. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, and, and cause the other, you know, cause he can be funny and, and playful, but there's also like, there's such like a, it's anchored by kind of tragedy and mm -hmm. humanity in him. And, and I think that came across in, in our film as well that, you know, there's just, he, it was great to see him take on a, a character that had so many different like levels and layers. Yeah, Cause he, he's, he's like funny intentionally. His character is funny intentionally. He's funny unintentionally. And then there's, as the tone of the movie and the tone of his character begins to shift, then you're like, well, how much of that is a mask and how much of it, like, yeah. you know, and, and, and he has to be able to pull off the, uh, all of that. And, and he does, like, you see, you, you see him like biting into that and, and, sh and really like owning it. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's for us. Like when we look back on the film, I think that we were influenced by like in some of the people we were making it with, I think we were so concerned with them. I think I think they didn't really get it on a certain level. They kind of didn't get the humor. And so I think that in a way we were trying to make it just so like digestible. And so like, you know, having all the you know necessary like 
genre elements and just kind of moving mm. along and whatever. And I think like looking back on it now, I think that if to to have well, we were talking about this the other day, like to approach it again, I think we probably would have leaned heavier into the character study yeah. mm. of Stone and not been so afraid of like because like you know these films they you it's hard to explain but you have to justify how you're spending your time your limited time yeah. and so if they see you setting up shots that are like you know you're like what you know art house big four letter word in that world yeah you know when you're talking about like foreign sales companies and just this so the way films like this get financed is there's like it's you can either have equity where it's like obviously somebody putting money into it or you can have this which is a debt finance picture where you pre-sell it and and you're getting a bank loan and you make the movie and then when it's done you go to all the places that said they would buy it before you shot the thing and then you give them the movie that's so in a way you're like oh it's liberating because you can do whatever you want because they've already bought it based on talent and the fact that it's like cop or whatever but in in another way a lot if you don't have final cut you'd be surprised how many things we would like try to do and they'd be like that's art house like wait so you guys didn't have final cut absolutely not (laughs) (laughs) that's like a whole Okay. We it was so yeah. bad. Okay. We actually had someone on the movie who controlled the movie try their conduct was so absurd that they tried to get us to sign an NDA in exchange for submitting it to South by Southwest. What? Yeah. So obviously we didn't. Yeah, yeah. We, were, we were like <laughs> we absolutely are not signing anything and they submitted it. We kind of called the bluff, but yeah, it was we did not have final cut of the film. Interesting. I mean, I guess we you're, sort of suspected that. Yeah, I mean, like, I just yeah. don't even think we, we, we like, like Yeah. We see you in it. In yeah. fact, it's hard to you, you know, the parts of the movie are definitely really hard to for us to watch cuz I mean, that movie we said that every movie that exists is a miracle. Like yeah. that movie really is truly <laughs> a miracle that it can be watched. Like, I, I mean, <laughs> just, I guess I'm that su- I should, shouldn't surprise me, but it, it does just because like you said, like they, because I think you can see a, an artistic voice in it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think your, your sense of tonal control throughout is, is really good and really yeah, like thanks. you you know the the i think the i what what would have been different i guess if you well i will say that this is the one thing that's like people like the worst thing you can have on a movie is your actor fucking with your movie mm-hmm. and we didn't have that we yeah. had the best actors ever uh the second worst thing is having you know a producer fucking with your movie and that was kind of the situation we were in mm-hmm. um but you're protected on set because they're afraid of the famous actors. They don't go up to them and say, we want more like this because they know they'll like, that's like not going to happen. Okay. So shooting the thing was just a party. It was just Uh David. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like um, we're in the heart of the American dream. Yes. Great. (laughs) And then editing it, it was like, you know, what are we contractually obligated to turn in? 85 minutes what's it at now 90 oh i get to cut five like it was that and then and then we'd like cut and they'd you know it'd it'd be like what's that now Uh, 87 oh i get to cut two more minutes like it was nuts it was just like it was just a a psychology experiment 
trying to break us um yeah. and, and, I, I think, and it eventually broke everyone like it yeah. wasn't just us it was right like everyone yeah, involved. It was, yeah there like, was yeah we there was a lot of, yeah, <laughs> a lot of stuff there but um and also you know uh, like going into the project we we're like okay well, like we want to you know make a police heist movie make it as unexpected as possible. Cause like mm-hmm. you've seen a lot of those movies sure. or a lot of those movies get made like, and there's a good, there's good reason. Cause there's like an audience for it. And so we were thinking like, okay, we'll make something that looks one way on the surface, but is, you know, unexpected on, right. on the inside. But, you know, eventually, you know, we, in post, you, we came up against the, you know, people with final cut or final say saying like, no, we want it to conform to this, very specific thing, which was not really the movie we wrote or right. the movie we mm. filmed. I do think yeah. it was successful and surprising yeah, us I, I, that it was a heist. Like maybe not yeah. as late as you wanted to, but like <laughs> it was still it was still Yeah, I feel like everything there. works. That is on us, I think, is that and I think it was a holdover from the tone, but this is this is why I brought up reshoots because it's amazing how you understand when you get when you've cut your movie based on what you were shot in 23 days you know exactly what you need to go out there and pick up like um you know like i do think the transition into understanding that they are in, they're not just investigating it as police that they're trying to kind of pull it off they're trying to rob it you know i think in our initial when when it's on when it's black and white on the page when it's more like prose, the script, you feel this sort of like general tone of um, corruption. And, and so them being corrupt feels like it's just kind of in the milieu of the... Of the right, the police force. You guys established that the police force is already full of just sort of like low level, if not corruption, then just sort of... Right, it's the accepted of, yeah, yeah, yeah. world. But there's no that cares. thing of like, you know of when you see that you're like, Oh wait, they're trying to rob this thing. Like, I think that that would, that would have been a place where we would have, you know, made some little bandaid thing of, you know, showing maybe like uh, cage doing something uh, illegal, um, you know, something like clearly kind of like that shows that that's his intention or his character. Right. And then also the, the ending we want to uh, actually revisit um, because we felt that we started with this fun tone and then we went really dark and right. we're like, we should end with a fun tone. And it was supposed to be the sort of like weird, like Raiders of the Lost Ark shot of seeing their drill end up in the evidence room. Yeah. Like we're like, that's poetry. That's brilliant. That'll uh-huh. be funny. But in the end, we're like, you know, I think we could, we could probably open up Elijah's arc again, come up with a way in which you know, he learns a lesson. Maybe we don't kill him. Maybe he learns a lesson. Maybe whatever. A spoiler, right? but um, uh, <laughs> but uh, but we weren't. Um, even though we contractually were had reshoot days, we weren't the final cut people, and so we were kept from reappraising some things that we thought were yeah. like, oh, like that could use a little, like you know. God. That must be maddening. Oh, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. must be crazy to get like ninety percent there and then just not be able to like button it up. Yeah, and, you know. And for so much of uh, the process up to that point, being like driven by your own like just force of will, and like you know, if you don't show up a hundred percent and do all the stuff, then it's not going to happen. But then you have to turn it over to somebody who could be have you know. Uh, could feel any number of ways about it and be committed to, to anything yeah. and uh, just be like no we and we were saved by an editor so we had one editor for like 6 weeks that um 
we got into some things where we were kind of yeah it was it was challenging it was challenging to uh, and so then we got a new editor um, who got the film way better yeah um, and he, just, he understood what we were trying to make yeah uh, Steve yes and Steve. he uh, he saved he saved the day and he did I mean it got complicated at that point in terms of our cutting the movie ourselves um, but he he did a pass on it and punched up the comedy. He like, he got the performances. Like it just like, you know, I, I think of him as being like the savior of the movie. Um, yeah. But he, even then, you know, we still didn't have sort of the final say. And yeah, know, it was hard. Of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I look at, it's funny to meet, you know, directors now, maybe they're doing their first feature. They did their first feature. And I always feel like Oliver twist looking at like, a like, a kid you know like a rich kid who's like <laughs> like throwing a tantrum over like not having the right candy like it's like <laughs> you have no idea like how fucking gnarly some stuff can get you know like um the, yeah. like every film's a lesson and sometimes yeah. the lesson is like fucking but like you said hard. a lot like so it can be an actor and then that's you know we yeah, were very true. fortunate to it's not it's always gonna have, be something probably yeah oh yeah well i speak about the uh you, you mentioned the like f the classic like photoshop head uh poster like yeah. poster yeah. art what was that did y'all have any say in no. the art no. nothing no. so know. that's like like i was saying before it's like a, a, mo a movie of this in this genre with someone like nick it's like it's a machine that just kind of is yeah. and we thought that it would be different you know and like yeah. so the, yeah the the key with a film like this which we, we were we were learning this as we went um is that you, you films often pre-sell their foreign rights. So they, they pre-sell showing, you know, before the movie, they go to Cannes and they say, we're doing this movie. It's, you know, Nicolas Cage, corrupt cop, you know, and France is like, we'll give you 500 grand for it right now. And then, you know... Uh, Just like the country of France? Or, like, <laughs> or, or, or a, a French distributor? Only, French yeah. distributor. only France. <laughs> and then, you know, Germany's like, we'll give you 250 grand, whatever. Like, you just go and you you raise, you know, usually, like, in a lot of cases, your whole budget that way, you know? And um, and it's a it's a complicated process. It's not easy to do. And um, and then you go to a bank and you get a essentially, I mean, it's, it's more complicated than this, but you get a loan and, and you make your movie based on this debt. Yeah. And as long as you deliver what you essentially said you were going to deliver, um, you're in good shape. The thing that most films usually reserve is selling their, pre-selling their domestic rights. Because you're like, America, we want to like, who knows, might get into South by Southwest. There might be like some, you know, and we didn't realize, but like we pre-sold the domestic rights to a company called Saban, oh, who yeah. had of Power Rangers, of Power Rangers, Power Rangers yeah. fame. Yeah, yeah. true. Chaim. Um, <laughs> and at the time, they had only had done one film, and it was a, a Tommy Lee Jones-directed yeah. film called The Homesman. And we were like, oh, fucking cool. They like, they like our movie. Like, mm -hmm. cool. Like, let's go, let's go do our best. And then you kind of have this thing in the back of your head that you're like, okay, maybe they think they're buying just like a, you know, cop movie, but we're going to like, you're going to show them, show them that, what like, it could be. Yeah. We're going to go like make a This is funny, more like the homesman. Like, <laughs> this is awards movie. No, yeah. Award movie. But what you realize is that I don't know. I can't, I can't speak to their, sense of what the movie was 
because all they'll tell you is like, oh, we love it, you know, because like whatever. But you know that like the business around that movie was set that day. So it didn't matter if we had gone and made one of his other type films right. or made The Trust, which I which kind of stands out as being, you know, trying to do all the things we've been talking about. They'd, they're, it wasn't going to change how they approached it. Their machinery was already set. Yeah. Like, and, and they were going to release it and promote it the way that they... Yeah, the, the, right. That fit the way that they thought it so should So something like Mandy uh, is a great example of what I hope for every Nicolas Cage movie going forward, which is that I don't know the exact sales stuff around it, but I know that they did not pre-sell the rights to it domestically. In fact, I, re- I remember them going to festivals and, and I think it sold at Toronto or something. But I think the reason why this Mandy has such a loving sort of had such a loving grassroots effort behind it, which is thanks to Elijah and his company um, with their distributors because they were betting on the movie. Mm-hmm. They're like, I, we want to make, you know, this. So, yeah. So basically you get posters like the one that we have, which, uh, yeah, we sent them a email that was just like, Please don't, Please don't don't do this to us. It's two years of our life. Like, come on. And we got the email back. Be like, we like it. It works good for us. Oh it works God. for us. I mean, they're they're like it's it's funny. They're nice. They were nice people, but like sure. you, it, when their bottom line is like fucking you, you're just it's so hard to be like. Oh, all right, yeah, well, I get and it. You're, and you, you're like, you're probably fucking yourself too. Or uh, it's safe. It's just safe. It's like the kind yeah. of thing that they know it's going to show up in a red box right. and that people will say, Nicolas Cage cops. Yeah. And, w- and <laughs> that they'll rent it. As and they need certain things on that, which actually, uh, I think, so Nick... I don't know if he has it in his contract or something. He can't um, be depicted holding a gun yeah. on the cover. Of, he refuses of, to yeah. be seen holding which is a good, gun on you know, the Which, of course, that's all they cool. want. Is yeah. like, but it's so like great for, for him for drawing the, the line. But that's why his, his poor co-star is on there. That's right, why right. Elijah yeah. Wood looks... Uh, yeah. yeah, so what, what happened was the poster came out. Um, I think the first text I got was from Elijah, and he was like, "Really, dude?" And I was like, "It's like you have no idea how much I want to die." Like this is like I was like, and I I think I showed him like the emails and everything, and like, and then uh, I actually designed. I I got so fed up. I designed two character posters to that look right, and you could Google it and find them, and that was like literally me in Photoshop being like, "This is better than what was there," but um, the uh uh. It immediately somehow the poster like you know it immediately ended up on Reddit, and it was like worst poster because I think there's a Reddit for like bad Photoshop posters, and ours was like worst fucking ever. And I immediately grabbed it and I immediately sent it to the distributor. And I was like, congratulations, like <laughs> ill. And then I the Aww. best one was like someone. I mean, it, it's kind of like you know, it, it created something beautiful because the next somebody colored them to look like Super Mario. Right. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was pretty And they great. changed it to like, you know, brother, the brothers yeah. or something like that. And we're like, yeah, that, that's pretty good. <laughs> Have you guys seen the poster for Stolen? The Nicolas Cage movie Stolen? No. Because in terms of like the same sort of like Photoshop, like. Oh, yeah. Thing, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, y- yeah, it's, it, 
I, I think that one's. Great. I think that one's worse. You're you're lucky if the head is sized right yeah. for the body. <laughs> Which, yeah. by the way, all these posters are made by the top poster designers in the world. But it's a budget thing. So, like, if you like look at the guys who made or the company that made our film, our, our film's poster, it's like their marquee shit is like. It's probably the Mandy probably poster, like and then amazing. like you know, and then. Uh, but they're like, you have an afternoon, and you have yeah, to. Yeah, you got like eighty dollars, <laughs> <Right>. and <laughs> you know, and so they, you know, I think there's maybe some outsourcing. Um, I don't know. And their bodies, those, and are. they're always dealing. <laughs> they're always dealing with the two head uh, conundrum with yeah. layout and graphic design. It's not even so. remotely their costume from the movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's, I mean, it, it looks like they pulled a screen grab from a whole nother movie and then just photoshopped like from like their a heads squad. Yeah. It's really, oh, yeah. it's wild. There's a German one that's really good. There's like a helicopter. Uh, the German one has a helicopter and uh, and Elijah wearing just his personal sunglasses yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is good um i like the japanese one we have that yeah we uh, framed, framed the japanese one in japan they called it dirty cop yeah that's right. so good. <laughs> that's yeah. perfect because sort we were of talking gives... about dirty grandpa <laughs> oh, yeah. we were <laughs> i mean if you call it dirty Very cop nice. that sort of gives away the game doesn't it but, <laughs> it's true but why the trust you guys we Christ, that yeah. I mean, that was people ask you this all the time. That was another Sorry. one where we got stuck with it. Um, oh, you didn't. That wasn't your title. Well, no, it was, but it was, like it, was a, it was a working title. Yeah, um, a bad working title, and then we kept trying to rename it, and for some reason, names are very hard. I don't know right. if you guys have experienced this, where it's like I I actually discovered a principle recently where I was like, I think something only gets named when someone who isn't you says a name and then you're like, yeah, it's that. <laughs> like if it comes out, like it's, you don't get to name your own thing. Like you discover like. That, this is so wild to me. Like I know I shouldn't be surprised by this, but it's like, yeah, like it, it's, the name is so important that it, it's so funny that it's coming from just some, I don't know, some money man well, so somewhere. We, yeah, it, I mean, films will even be yeah. named alphabetically because that affects how they appear on the front page of VOD. Like, like we're lucky our movie isn't called like One Trust. Yeah. <laughs> A1. A1. Yeah. It's like most movies that are called like 10 whatever, like, you know, whatever oh, numbers is yeah. to get you a better placement in oh VOD. Oh, God. Oh, it's a, yeah, that's. How like, how jaded do you guys feel at this being <laughs> Just at, at, I know this is like a common thing with just directing is that like only so much of directing is being on set and then uh, so much more of it is just like learning all of this stuff and and figuring out how to how to eat it and process it in a way that doesn't get in the way of the like 10% of stuff that you actually want to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's the the key that we're trying to find is uh, with our next film, which we're like this close to finally getting to do, um, it's a lot smaller. Um, this movie was five or six million. Um, and that's like a, that's a brutal place to be because it's real money. And when you have money like that, it becomes attractive. Like it's like, it's like a light bulb, right? It's like bright enough that you're going to get like all mm -hmm. kinds of notice insects. No, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you're going to get all kinds of notice. And so if the bulb can be just like a little bit dimmer, it's just going to be, cherished by people who like believe in it and think it could be brighter or whatever. And so like, um, 
Yeah, I think that uh, it's kind of a more money, more problems situation, I would say. And when you're in that nebulous zone where you have like just enough money to like pay your actors and shoot 20 days, but you don't have enough money for a car chase, you don't have enough money for like any action, like you kind of, you know, you float in this. And I mean, there's like really corrupt stuff that gets invited into film productions. This wasn't our production, but like similar type of sim- movies of that world, like, so, like money laundering, money laundering yeah. is a big yeah. thing. Like, um, you know, you know, paper bags of money just showing up. Right. Um, uh, also a, a common thing is like, you know, uh, say you raise a budget of, uh, you know, five, $6 million. Well, you know, hire the right line producer, uh, pay them 50 K on top of what they're getting made and make sure that they, I mean, a budget for a movie has got so many line items. Like if they know what they're doing, they can pass off, you know, easily right. a couple million dollars right. out of that. So that kind of stuff happens when you're in that level. Um, where it's just enough. Yeah. Money. yeah. Just you enough have, money. You have one or two name actors and you have like, yeah, yeah, enough money and enough distribution where it's going to, you know, it's going to be, I don't know, on streaming or what, whatever the path is right now. But yeah, but there, you also have enough people who are attracted to it for reasons that are not. So like, here's what, one for you. This is, this happens on like every movie. Not just like ours, but like, like, cause I was like, really? And like, you know, uh, people are like, yes, this is very, very common. Um, very common for someone to approach the production uh, and, you know, say like a wealthy Russian, you know, and be like, um, I'll pay you uh, $80,000 to have a scene with Nicolas Cage in the movie, or I'll pay you like $250,000, like, you know, like investors who want, and they'll come up to you and they'll be like, look, all you have to do is shoot the scene. It doesn't have to go in the movie, but you got to shoot a scene with, you know, so-and-so and they're going to give us $250,000. Because they want to be in a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, or uh, $500,000, let me score the movie. Like just, and I mean, and of course we're like, yeah, let's hear what you can do. Like, cause, like <laughs> who the fuck knows? But like, you know, inevitably, like it's like, it's a weird it invites very strange interest because people are very obsessed with fame and celebrity and all this shit. Yeah. And so you get this kind of weird, it's, it's, it's certainly a hard place to make cool stuff in. Like, like yeah. at the very least you're surrounded by people who have no goddamn taste, you know, cause right. they're there for the wrong reason. So, yeah. um, but in kind of uh, what you're saying, like part of the challenge, part of the job of being the director is, you know, you're going to you're going to accept responsibility for the end product, no matter what happened to get there. So, you know, you'll reap the rewards of praise, but you'll also have to take the <laughs> criticism. It's just like, and that's and yeah. So your your job is so many things, managing so many things, trying to mitigate so much risk and make art in the meantime. You know, Wait, I have to tell a really funny quick story. Yeah, I I I won't say. A, a key member of our crew, uh, great person, uh, was friends was friends with another crew that was shooting in Vegas from out of town. Everyone's from out of town, obviously in Vegas. They for their rap party, they went out to a strip club in Vegas, like for fun. And uh, <laughs> uh, he said that he was hanging out with like his 
this these other people he's works with on movies or whatever. And he comes to us the next day and he goes, you'll never believe what happened to me last night. He's like, I was in this uh, strip club and uh, I, 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 uh, my friend bought me a lap dance and we're all drunk and having a good time. And this girl's giving me a lap dance and she asked me what I'm doing here. And I said, oh, I'm working on this movie, the trust. And she stops and she goes, wait, the trust. And he goes, yeah. And she like totally like breaks character with like the, whatever the performance. She's like, Oh my God. Like I, uh, I, I, let me give you my information. Like the producer was in here like the other night and like, I want to give you information. And we had just gotten to Vegas one of the local production services people uh, who does produce like things, like has produced things, and he's would literally go to strip clubs and tell strippers that he was producing our movie and get their like phone numbers or whatever. And so like like you know, it, anyways, the point is like the yeah. level that like your your thing becomes a magnet for right. people like using it to like curry favors or like just like they, people like it's very it's a very strange thing because you're right it what's well, suddenly, suddenly these people have are are at least treating it like like they have a sense of ownership of it and maybe feeling like they have a sense of ownership of it and e- even though it's not even a movie yet. i mean this was someone we had never even met right it was, he was just going around town you know like being the producer of our movie and, Damn, and I hope he got laid. I wanted to go to all the strip clubs uh, and be like, I am so sorry if you had to entertain <laughs> this. I, I'm here Cretan. from the trust. <laughs> <laughs> you can trust us. Yeah. But yeah, you're, you're, you're always dealing with, and it's funny because as the directors, you're like, Oh my God, like I, I'm just trying to like, get the day done. I'm just trying to like right. shoot something that makes sense. Like, you know, yeah. I'm not like, there's nothing glamorous about this. Right. Know? Right. But uh, yeah, so that's like that's a big takeaway. It's like we, you know, no one's no one's pulling that shit on your like you know movie that costs like a million dollars. Like you know, they're just there for the love. I was gonna say, like, can you speak to the project that uh, you guys have in the hopper now? Can you say anything about it? Or oh, look at this. Um, or do you do you not want to jinx it? Yeah, probably best not to. Okay, yeah. it's a smaller, film, <laughs> yeah, smaller, and but it is a feature. And it, yeah. yeah, it'll be our first feature uh, since the trust. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a very different movie, I guess. Is what we'll say. <laughs> and it's smaller, so it seems like you learned what you'd like to do based on your experience. Doing yeah, this yeah. Thing. I think we we have like a very kind of diverse skill set. Like that's kind of how we. That's kind of like the missing part of our story about getting into music videos is that we would like do all the VFX and edit and all this kind of stuff. And I think we thought, well, if we ever do a, a film again, we'll want to do it at a certain level where we can more or less like donate these skills, which is like, how, by the way, how we like make a living is like, you know, getting like a storyboard gig or I get mm-hmm. VFX work or like stuff like that. So we're like, oh, well, it'd be great to do a movie where we're, we're kind of, Handcrafting it in that DIY way. for love of the game. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the you know after the trust, like you know we took a lot of meetings and stuff, and, and the the landscape of film is is really changing, especially in terms of like budgets and you know. So what people are trying to make movies for, it's it's it, it was in such like fluctuation, like you know, like 
40 million, 20 million, 10 million, 20 million again, you like never 5 say the, million. Like, yeah, you never say the right number. You go right. into the meetings and they're like, so what are you working on? You're like, oh, it's about a $2 million. He's like, yeah, we're looking for 20 million. And then yeah. you go in the next thing, you're like, it's 20 so, million. Yeah, like, so we're so looking like for 400,000. We kind of like set our sights on like something bigger. You know, it's like, oh yeah, we're going to, you know, um, but now we've sort of realized like, okay, well now movies are either being made on such an enormous scale or it's got to be much smaller, much more of a, you know, uh, a passion project. Well, if, it know. seems like there's more, there's just more market for that now that so many, uh, there's streaming, streaming is be, like, because even in 2016, I feel like video on demand still had kind of a patina to it yeah. that like, um, but at this point, point, there's like all these different services that are, are reaching for content and and everything can be so micro targeted that it seems like there's uh, at least space for those things to get made and for them yeah. to come out in a marketplace where they'll be they have the option to be treated uh, they they could they could be treated fairly and could go somewhere as opposed to um, w- sort of the the realm that we're in with a lot of these cage movies right now in the mid twenty teens where it's still sort of like stuff that's at the that same level that you guys are talking about where it's uh it hits a couple of marks that you know that uh it and as far as casting or or budget or whatever mm-hmm. that you know what level it's at but you also know that um the powers that be behind it are not aiming for it to do more than just make its money back right yeah. exactly right. um and it's always it the, the one thing is it's very strange to think that it ends up being so much work for everyone. You're like, why would you be just content right. for it to kind of break even? Um, like, I know the math around our the delivery of our movie, um, you know, and who paid what for it. And I thought, yeah, okay, that's money, but, like, why not try to get more money by <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's funny. You know who really did well with it was the U.K., the UK like made like a pretty good poster for it. They put it up in the f- subway. They played it in the movie theaters. Like they actually like you know because I, I think like the distributor was just like yeah it's a movie let's put yeah. it out there, and it's it's um the US is really the one that's all totally fucked when it comes to <laughs> distributing movies. And but yeah I think the the today like what's going on right now as far as we've been educated is there is a price point where which is like, which represents an investment to people that's safe. So, f- for instance, like, say half a million dollars in equity financing from someone, that means that you can go and get a tax credit and bump your half million closer to a million. Uh, and it's going to be, unless you really mess it up and are making something that is completely non commercial, you're going to be able to find that at a streaming service. Like, so that is, that is a, for certain types of investors, that is a very attractive model right now of how you make your money back. Is, or is that yeah. exciting to you guys as filmmakers? Or like, how do you feel about the state of of filmmaking in general? I'm just, I personally, I'm just trying to get back to that movie theater in Austin and you know in <laughs> South, like yeah. or any theater. Like I've decided that the the peak moment for any film that you can depend on is your premiere the festival premiere chasing that high yeah because yeah. it's like everything after that is a, a, a letdown and it's mm-hmm. business and you're you know like i think like sometimes i see like um certain films like uh 
like what gets talked about, you know, mm -hmm. say it's like something A24 puts out or some of these right. things. And it's like, I'm so aware of how much that conversation is being engineered to happen. Like it's oh. a lot of money's being spent. Oh, to, to even something like, I, uh, I don't know, The Lighthouse or a sure, Marriage yeah, Story yeah. or something like right. that, that feels like within the scope of, uh, you know, just movies in general, it feels almost... Not, not like an indie, even though there it's. Uh, but you, you're saying you can, you, you're familiar enough with the machinery behind it that you know that that's millions of dollars being pushed to, yeah. to market it yeah. in that way. Like that, that like those movies are both great, great remarkable movies. films. Yeah. But they only matter if you are investing in basically telling people what to think about it. Yeah, right. So like uh, we saw it with um like Rotten Tomatoes is like a really interesting e example of this. Like I think it's interesting because they're putting the stickers on on the yeah. like, DVDs now. It's like you know this certified fresh or whatever. Yeah. Like that's like the selling it's tied point into of the marketing. The, yeah. yeah. And right. you'll see distributors that game the system. So like in a way I think that um Filmmakers who kind of end up in the situation we're in, where like a distributor does not need it to be anything other than this kind of financial instrument that they're passing around, you get in a position where, you know, some people really like it, some people like it less. No one's being told what to think of it, who's made this, why you should watch it. <laughs> and so it's kind of, it kind of floats around in this space where, like, I remember like The Guardian gave us like, the most glowing review on earth and was like, this is the greatest movie out of the South by like, you know, really kind of, and, and, and a few others like that. And then, but then occasionally we'd catch one that was like not positive at all. And so you'd watch our like Rotten Tomatoes score just kind of float in this like in between shit zone. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes if, we'd if be If it's fresh. like 40 to 60%, like it's sort of just, yeah. But the truth is, is that things that are 80 to 90%, I felt like when Rotten Tomatoes started, that was like, guaranteed those were good movies. Like I remember like 90% like I would always be like, yep, that was 90% great. <laughs> but now I've noticed that it is, um, it's such a, it matters to such specific films that it's like, it's, you can tell a movie that like the lighthouse, I'd be very curious to see what the Rotten Tomatoes score is on that because I imagine that in a different context that'd be a very divisive film sure. not for everyone but i'm sure it's it's i'm positive that it's because critical response is so important to that movie success mm. you're gonna see it hanging up in like it's not gonna be mixed which is 50 you know <laughs> half right. of people were like what the fuck and the other half were like amazing it's gonna it's, hover it's 90 percent. yeah there you go i mean like i i don't think that's i don't even think that's accurate mm. like i don't think that's a 90 percent movie yeah i think it's like probably like I'm, an i'm surprised at an 80 80 to 85 still great still yeah. good but yeah so that's that's a big well, eye opener. I, I know in like the from in the movie criticism world rotten tomatoes is not really uh given much credence just because almost anybody can can write and be be part of right. their yeah. their algorithm like metacritic um, is a lot more choosy, and uh, there's we, I think there's some other ones. We had one where I mean you can't help you got your heart has to go out to people like us because you know <laughs> we had no one who gave a shit about it. We were just there, be like we think like for the people who like it, they'll like it. And I remember we were like hovering, and our parents would be like, "It's fresh," and we'd be like, "Just wait." Um, and I remember like we were tipped 
beneath 55 or something. We were, we were tipped just beneath into like the splat zone for a minute. I think we're fresh now. <laughs> you're, you're 63%. Oh, oh. And you're, you're certified fresh. <laughs> um, that's coronavirus like level, you know. Um, but uh, I remember the one that tipped us beneath was a publication that was Christian moms watching movies. Sick. And we had gotten a zero because we had like drugs. Uh-huh. Someone said got some fuck. Swears. Like there was like boobs. It was yeah. like, it was some crazy, like I was like, you gotta be, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> like, like how is that on the same level? How is that part of the same algorithm? But if as- you look at like really like dog shit movies that had like the really high score, you if you actually kind of like start scrubbing through the, in, in some cases, hundreds of reviews that they have sought and aggregated like there are some very obscure people <laughs> who loved like a wrinkle in time oh, yeah. you know what i mean like it takes a it takes a lot of gaming that system to drive those scores up because if the score is low it's like millions it can represent millions and millions of dollars <laughs> gone right. you know that being said clearly there are movies that were not uh, able to game that system, even though they ha- clearly had the means to do so. Do you think that um, doing a smaller movie that doesn't uh, attract such nefarious elements and uh, being able to like tell the story you want to tell and like illuminate the truth that you want to illuminate, um, uh, you'll care less about? the metrics and the things just like if you get your your South by release or you like make yeah. a piece of art that is what you want it to be. I think cause we King. had such a fantasy with the trust. I did. I think we did have a fantasy about like revitalizing Nick. Like we did have a fantasy about like the people who bought it would be like, Oh my God, he's so funny in this. He's so good. You know, and I remember talking to the guy who cut the trailer and being like, buddy, just like, do is a solid make a funny trailer like mm. don't make like they're gonna want it to be like violence and dark just like show the performance we have of him in here and you know the trailer's okay it's like you know but it, at least it had that sort of point the character so yeah. i think we were that's what we're we were disenchanted by thinking we had made this like crowd pleaser and then we realized you're like oh no a, a, a crowd pleaser isn't a movie that's fun it's a movie that the right person wants you to think is fun. Ooh, yeah. Um, well, also, to make a crowd pleaser, you have to have the machinery that will get it in front of enough crowds. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Of course. So yeah, I guess this next movie, it's more personal. It's it represents you know four years of writing and thinking about not wanting to add to the noise. You yeah. know, like we're not. We are still kind of like aiming to be pleasers in the sense that. I'm amazed at how much stuff is out there, just how many films, how many shows, all this stuff. And so we wanted to wait till we found something that was like for a price, mm-hmm. an original thing that we really haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, I mean, we always, you know, set out to, we want to reward people by taking a chance on our thing. And, and, and that's honestly been, you know, rewarding about the the trust is that it has you know found people who like really appreciated it. You know, we've and been telling people like not mm-hmm. outside of the pot. Like I've been it. Like I was excited about it just because part of the the whole thing for 
me with this podcast is I wanted to find the hidden gems. And this is yeah. one of the movies that, not trying to gas you guys up, but, <laughs> yeah. but it is, it is, I was like, but, nobody's talking about this movie, yeah. but they should be. It's a true diamond in the rough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, like really, good. I mean, yeah. and it was, it was a desert for a long time <laughs> before that. We were, we were churning through these things being like, okay, here we go again. Yeah. And I purposely, I, I said this on the last episode, but I purposely don't, do a ton of research on some of these movies because I want to... Because like, the only joy that you have is discovering... Yeah, totally. <laughs> because like a lot of times if I even like know the bare minimum about it, it's enough to like put an idea in my mind that then the final product, like nine times out of ten, has just been like, this is two hours I wish I had back. Yeah. Um, at, at least the Cage Renaissance is happening. It's true. Yeah. It's at, true. Least, uh, at least he is, he is you in... You know it's yeah. on the horizon. Which, but, thanks to Mandy, thanks to Elijah Wood... Thanks to yeah. the trust. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So you did achieve your goal. Yeah. You ultimately, I mean, yeah. In a, in a way, you guys are talking to the creators of Mandy, right? Yeah, basically, <laughs> in a really roundabout way. Yeah. Damn. Good job on that. Um, before before yep. we wrap up, can I ask you guys like what is personally for each of you your top three favorite cage roles? Yeah. Mm. Cage roles. Um. Well. I'll I'll go first. You uh, can't say the trust also. Yeah. <laughs> I mean leaving Las Vegas is at the top for me. Um yeah, just a beautiful performance and a beautiful movie and yeah, and and I and yeah, it's due to his decisions. Yeah. <laughs> um and uh, then adaptation. I just, I mean, uh, you get two two Nick performances for the price of one. Like, I mean, that this the scene that he performs against himself could like bring you to tears. Like yeah. playing these two brothers, and yeah, it's just uh, you know any actor that can achieve that is like, oh, it's just yeah, it's great. Uh, Bad Lieutenant is like. Oh yeah. There's so many to choose sure. from, but like yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean that that's, Bad Lieutenant's fantastic. Yeah. Trying to think of the ones where he kind of like disappears and is like. Well, uh, Matchstick Man is. Really yeah, Matchstick yeah. Man. I Matchstick love that movie. Yeah. Underrated. Yeah, that movie was great. And I gotta say, I gotta say different ones. Well, I'm gonna say Wild at Heart. Yeah. Because it'd be cool if he like did shit like that right now. Wait, what's the movie? Where he pulls the guy out of the truck With and David th- Caruso and, and throws him across the. I parking lot. He plays. Yeah, he plays the the villain in that. What the fuck? It's amazing. That? Yeah, well, he's a villain. He plays a villain with um, asthma. Yeah. All right. Fuck. I'll just say Raising Arizona because oh, was was what, what, what movie that. is that? Yeah, I know. Have I'm we like, watched that? Brain. I don't know if we've seen that. We, maybe we haven't come to. Is it new? I've never no, seen it's like from oh, okay. like the early nineties. Is it like yeah. Deadfall? Deadfall. Is it Deadfall? Is that the one where he? His brother directed? Yeah. Oh yeah. no, it's not that. Okay. I've never seen that. Uh, you I'm should. trying to think. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's incredible. It's it's a wild ride. Um Yeah, this one is starring David Crusoe, right? Yeah. From um, Oh, it's uh Um What's the name of that one? Uh Kiss of Death. Yes. Is, is that it? It's, is it yeah, it's something it, yeah. like that. It's like yeah. Kiss of Death, I think. That's interesting. Yeah, where interesting where he's got thing. the he's got like the creepy like yeah. Yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, there was like, but he's like, like they were the story, like uh, reading about him on um, uh, Peggy Sue got married. Yeah. Oh my god! Was so that he showed up doing that voice? Yeah, insisted on that voice, and um, 
Kathleen Turner. Oh, wait, is that who? No. Um, yeah, it's Kathleen. Yeah. Kathleen Turner was like, they were rehearsing, and she was like, "You're gonna get fucking fired. Like, stop doing that." <laughs> and he like, you know, he like he like kind of wanted to. It, it's so fun. It's this like. Well, he, I think I think it goes back to that punk ethos. You were yeah, talking no, about, totally. Where, like the enjoyment part of the enjoyment is like pissing everyone else off. It, well, and you know, yeah, and, and like, and you can almost because it's like you have Francis Ford Coppola, who's basically like begging you to be in his movie and cage being like, ah, I'm only going to do it if I can do this voice. And then he gets the green <laughs> light to do it. And it, you, you know, I, I don't know to what degree that truly is punk rock, but it's pretty, I just love that awesome. he didn't stop. He didn't stop. Yeah, and, and they threatened to fire him and he didn't care. He committed to it. And it's, it's really good. He like pulls it's, it's ridiculous, but I think that that movie deserves a reassessment because it is even the most ridiculous choices that he makes. Oh, it's a really work. good work. Yeah. Well, and he's and and his character is so kind of like unexpected, unexpected, unexpectedly sad. Yeah, he's poignant in that movie, yeah. and then suddenly the silly voice and some of the like other affectations, you like kind of like start to feel bad for this guy. You know? Yeah, he said he said it was like he was doing the voice of Pokey from Gumby. But was yeah. I think was this yeah. See, that's I'll the encourage process. you guys like, to listen to the pods of the movies that you like because oh well, like, I, I want to so I want to switch my vote from um, I want to switch it to Valley Girl. I think oh. that's mm-hmm. do you guys do Valley Girl? Oh, yeah. We did. That was the uh, yeah. second episode we did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the second probably film, probably. They right? started yeah. well, it was the first movie film. one and just made it to the trust. And yeah, all of we them. started with the, the TV show that he was on. Wait, what? Uh, yeah, yeah. He, was in, he was in a pilot with Crispin Glover. Dude, that's right. I forgot about that. With shit. Crispin Glover called oh, wow. the best of times, <laughs> and where they're like <laughs> high school students. And Crispin Glover's like the straight man, kind of like like every day every kid and nick is like like a jock the basically jock. yeah he's like he's ripped in it too. it's on youtube he, he must have been like 19 or something but he's jacked and that he sounds incredible <laughs> yeah it's it, really good it's so good <laughs> so do, is that how he got valley girl because he was like i guess i don't know yeah. he was in fast times after that oh, right. oh um, that's right yeah he had, he had a non-speaking his, role yeah they yeah. cut his speaking line, his line. <laughs> um, oh man but yeah oh man it goes deep well, uh, if you guys uh, want to be on any future episodes actually talking about a film that isn't yours, you know, uh, pick one out. Oh, yeah. we're, we're just going down the line. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to talk about. We haven't talked about this movie in four well, years. Yeah, a so. long time. Well, it's a thrill for us um, to, yeah, to have thank you, you guys for having on. Us. So thank you so much for, for coming by. Thank you. Um, yeah. The last thing I'm going to ask you guys to do is... Uh, yeah, can you can you do a panther roar into the the microphone? I just, Is that the, oh man. Yeah, that's that's part of it. Um, <clears throat> you can do it together to do if you want to do like yeah, a countdown. You could do like a, a dual like brother panther thing. Is that you pre- preparing? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. Beautiful. <laughs> Brewer Brothers, thank you so much. Everyone who hasn't watched The Trust, go watch The Trust. You have to now. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Um, yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, thank, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I can't wait for uh, you guys to confuse shit in our movie with like his 
55. I know. Please, <laughs> please don't be offended uh, when, <laughs> when like the, pulling from the giant cloud of like cage knowledge. I mean, and I, <laughs> you might not remember.